Good morning, Sun Valley Church. This is the Voice of the Valley. I am not Jeremy Pinch. I'm Pastor Rick Whitmer. And across the table from me is Pastor John Schubert. Hello. Good morning. Good morning. Why again are we here without Jeremy? We've come to our senses. That's, that's we, gi- we give him a mandate. It wasn't about vaccines. Yeah, no. <laughs> Jeremy's on vacation and uh, hanging out with his uh, four awesome kids and wife and um, having a good time, I think. Yeah. Yeah. It's a staycation. Yeah. Maybe I, like I shouldn't those. have said that because now people are going to... Yeah, I know. Stop. I mean, he fled the state. That's that's what he did. Yeah. The state of insanity. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> we yeah. saw it coming and we said, here is the mandate. Get out! <laughs> no, it's good uh, Good to be here together. Um, first time we've been back on on Voice of the Valley together for several months. Yeah. Because uh, yeah. you... you you left. Yes, I had. I fled the state. Yeah, you did. <laughs> so, and uh, had a good time. Yeah, yeah. I heard about some of the things you did, and mm-hmm. um, it seems like it's it was a refreshment to your soul and your body. Yeah, yeah, it was. I, I, uh, you know, we had a couple objectives in taking the sabbatical, but that was certainly one of them. Was kind of a refreshment and and time to to just kind of unwind after you know being wound up for years in ministry what did it have been like 35 years since you had a sabbatical which was never yeah the first sabbatical i had was before i went into ministry <laughs> unemployed <laughs> right. in portland oregon <laughs> so portland's a great place to be unemployed yeah especially now but um no uh i i this is my first sabbatical really i i had what they called a sabbatical before we started sun valley church when i was a uh, pastor at Westside Baptist, and the sabbatical was get ready for Sun Valley, and so I they just basically relieved me of all my duties at Westside, but then uh, asked me to put together some um, plans and objectives and you know details for uh, Sun Valley's plant, which came in two thousand and three. So I, I had uh, three months off at one point. I think the summer before we planted um, in March of two thousand. Hmm. But this was the and first. That's a working sabbatical. That was a working sabbatical. Yeah, yeah just different responsibilities. I was, I was on a sabbatical from Westside responsibilities, but I went to the office every day and planned and prepared and did all the work I needed to to, you know, um, welcome Sun Valley yeah. into existence. Yeah. But this was my first one since I've been in uh, full time ministry that's actually a resting, you know, separation sabbatical. Yeah, which is supposed to be kind of the idea. I think so. I think that's what the word means. But um, no, it was really good, but it's also very good to be back. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's good to have you back too. And uh, as we've been diving into Mark, um, you know, that, that's that been, I really appreciated the overview of the book that you gave this last week. And I was just taking notes in my Bible because it's really handy to see just from a, you know, bird's eye view, what does it look like to, what does the whole book look like? So right. that we know as we're in the details right. where we are in the larger story. Sure. Someone said in our small group last night, uh, it's nice to have an overview so you don't get, you know, lost in the woods in spite of the trees, you know, so yep. you, because you have this, when you dig into an expositional approach to any book, you start getting into the details and sometimes you can easily forget, you know, what the purpose of this whole book is. Why, yeah. Where are we going? What's What's the plan here? And so it's good to, to think about that when you get into a expositional study, yeah. But also along the way, you know, just to kind of back off and say, okay, now here where we here's where we are, 
So we'll do that occasionally too, like we've done with other books. So, yeah. 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 That's really good. It's like everything comes with a context. Yes. Um, right. You know, so, and if you take it out of context, you'll probably make some good money if you put it on a calendar. Yes. You know, for I know the plans I have for you to clear the Lord. Right. <laughs> he, said, he said that to me personally. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. While I was in exile. I, I've, I've heard that if you miss, miss the context, you miss the text. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't heard that before. Yeah. Uh, and that's what that's why biblical theology I think is so handy you know looking at where does everything fit in the scope of what God's doing in all of redemptive history yeah and that really that clarifies a lot it does it keeps you out of the weeds too yeah you know when you start when you approach it correctly like that yeah our uh, our leadership de- we have a new uh, cohort of leadership development guys going through a hermeneutics class right now mm-hmm. um, and and it is so great it, Seeing how, yeah, and our the teacher is Abner Chu down at oh, yeah. the Master yeah, Seminary, yeah. and uh, just seeing why how we approach Scripture makes all the difference, and it's not just a matter of opinions; it's a matter of do we understand what God intended by these actual words and what the human author intended? Yeah, and so, and we need to have a specific approach to get to that. Yeah, yeah, and that's what hermeneutics helps us with. So yep. for sure. Well, you know, as you've been settling in from sabbatical and um, as you've been getting back into the f- flow of life at SVC, what, mm-hmm. what's been one encouragement that comes to your mind that's been particularly sweet for you? Being back. Okay. <laughs> just generally, all yeah. of it. Yeah, no, really. Seriously, I, I've just enjoyed being back with friends and, and uh, uh, the family of God here at Sun Valley. You know, this is, uh, this is central to my life, and I have really enjoyed reconnecting with people and, um, you know, shaking hands and hugging and all those things that are part of reuniting with, you know, people you haven't seen for a while. And so I, I have really enjoyed that and the encouragement I've received from, um, people's anticipation of my return. So I'm thankful for that, but also, um, just being back in the pulpit, you know, just when you're gone for, this is the first time I've been gone for so long from ministry. Um, and, um, you know, you, when you're in the thick of stuff and you are fatigued and kind of worn out, you kind of wonder, you know, uh, I wonder what it's like out in the out in the world, real world, you know, and, you know, people can take vacations and stuff like that. But um, so I, I, you know, was out there for 10 weeks and enjoyed it very much, but also discovered during that time that I really enjoy this. I really enjoy being at Sun Valley and pastoring at Sun Valley and preparing and preaching weekly. And it's a, it's a wonderful blessing to be back and be able to do that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and as you got into the gospel of Mark, you, you've spent a couple of weeks in introduction and um, you talked the first week about chaos and yeah. control. And I, and I know that you guys touched on that in the podcast last week a little bit. Um, we have a, uh, you know, an avid voice, the, Valley listener who who mentioned to me this Sunday that that she's hoping she was hoping for a good chaos and control podcast and so I thought for for her sake I would ask this question you know um, you mentioned that the world's always been in chaos yes. ever since the garden and also ever since the garden God has been in control yes and no chaos not even a rogue Adam you know is outside right. of God's control right that, that's that's I think comforting. Oh, it, how do you get through things, you know, in times like we're in without that knowledge and conviction? Well, if you think that it really is spinning out of control, we're in trouble. Yeah. We I are. mean, <laughs> on every front. 
you know, and so it's, it's, it's a beautiful thing to be able to look at scripture and say, no, chaos has always been here, you know, since the garden and, but not, and, but, but God is over all of it and has a plan and is actually using chaos to accomplish his purposes um, in my life, in our lives, in the lives of those in our church, in, in the existence of humans, human history. God uses it to accomplish his purposes. Yeah. He sets up kings. He, he tears down kings. Yep. You know, he, it's really an interesting study. But yeah, Mark, Mark comes in right at the appropriate time and, and, and talks to us about these things. You know, he was writing to the Roman Christians um, who were experiencing a fair share of their own chaos under Nero. Um, you know, we, we thought uh, our governor or president, you know, is a little bit, you know, overbearing. Try Nero on for size. Um, he was no fun. He was not fun. Yeah, no, he, he um, was significantly more intense than what we're experiencing. Yeah. And well, Mark wrote to his, them. He may have gotten a start with vaccine mandates, but, but he quickly progressed to uh, blaming, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> setting yeah. cities on fire and then blaming the Christians. Yeah, and then killing them. <laughs> It's not funny, but yeah, I'm not laughing because it's funny. No, it's just it's madness. Yeah, but you know, as you look around at what the church globally, it, well, Yakima. Okay, so we're in we're in part of the Yakima Church, the people right. of God in Yakima. As you look out to our state, our nation, and even globally, um, there's a lot of chaos there. And at what chaos? What what is some of the chaos that you think has had a particularly potent impact on? Christians in the church? Well, I think it's different for different people, you know, depending on where they are. I think a, a member of a church in Afghanistan right now might have a different answer than I might give. Yeah. Um, and the same even in this, you know, in this country. So, you know, there's there's different um, expectations, different experiences that people have even between states like, you know, Utah versus Washington or Nebraska or Idaho, you know, um, we didn't have churches that I'm aware of in the state of Washington, even as liberal as we are suing the governor. I know that it happened in California. And so there's, I think, depending on where you live, what your experience is, you'd have a different answer to that question. Um, but I think, you know, to, to make it, to make it, applicable and and pertinent to Sun Valley. I think ours is um, somewhere in the middle of of all this chaos. You know, we're not the worst, but we're not the best either in terms of in terms of uh, our government, you know, state government's response to these things. And and so we have we have some things that are causing um, chaos in the lives of believers, chaos in the lives of churches. I just spoke with a pastor last week. Um, locally, local pastor, who who is getting pressure to to make certain statements from his pulpit about you know the vaccines and um, you know the mandates and and uh, he's kind of struggling with that because he disagreed with what this person was asking him to do. Right, and so it is causing conflict, obviously. And I, I think, of course, this is spiritual warfare. It's not. It's not just about viruses and vaccines it's i think i think we have an enemy involved much larger than people that we disagree with on these things sure and so 
that's part of what's happening here. And I think a lot of churches, and I don't, in fact, I don't know of any churches that aren't struggling with, with level ground, where to find it, you know, uh, happy mediums. Is there such a thing in this conversation? And so, uh, this is chaos and it's, and it's causing people to, um, question things, important things. And I think that, that, and I've said this before, but as a church, we have opportunity here. We have opportunity, not just in our local church, but as a church, global, universal church, to um, um, see God use us, see God work in us uh, to a degree that uh, not many have. We have a wonderful opportunity here to to demonstrate a unity in spite of our differences that I think would be profoundly impacting in our culture. So I, I, I'm praying that we'll be able to do that, you know, in wisdom, that our leaders here at Sun Valley will exercise, you know, patience and love and wisdom as we navigate and guide our local church here at Sun Valley through these, you know, chaotic waters, chaotic times. Right. Um, you know, uh, one of the ways I was trying to, you know, make sense of what's happening here. Uh, maybe this is not a great example, but I, I used to enjoy whitewater rafting. In fact, um, on one of my um, less smart attempts at youth ministry, I took our youth group whitewater <laughs> rafting uh, on a couple occasions. I didn't learn the first time, um, but... And we went to the Deschutes River and spent a week whitewater rafting. Oh, okay. And I was one of the raft captains, you know. And uh, I was, you know, personally responsible for the near death of about five kids. Oh. <laughs> was Rick Lyon one of them? Uh, Amy was. Was she? Okay. Amy, yeah, I don't think Rick was there. I don't, I don't remember Rick being oh, there, my. but Amy was there. And, um, uh, yeah, it was scary stuff. And And this is kind of what church leaders and shepherds are doing right now. They're the, they are the raft captains trying to guide the raft of their church down these white water rapids. And they are, I mean, I've, and I've it's heard like, Christian. And they're Christian. yelling stuff, you know, yeah. you know, pull in that rope, you know, lean to the left, get back, you know, row, 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 you know, and it's, it's what it feels like. And the, the entire time from the time you, Put the boat into the rapids of the raft until you take it out. It's just a panic, you know, in terms of trying to keep people alive, trying to keep people yeah. in the boat. Uh, and what do you do if someone falls out, which happened, you know, more than once? Man. So yeah, and it's not as clear to everybody in the boat, and even to some of these captains, to use your metaphor. Yes. What, what orders should be given? Right. And what the wisest course forward is to avoid right. shipwreck on that rock? Yeah. We're getting pinned under. Some rafts turn over. I was just talking to a, a 90-year-old woman um, whom I was visiting last week, and she, she's she been a believer for decades. And I asked her, I said, have you ever seen anything like this in your lifetime? I mean, it's a, it's a good lifetime. And she says, "I that for the church, you know, I have not. This is the first time I've really experienced anything like this. And so it really seems like the consensus from young to old within in the church is this is something new for us in our in our lifetime as the church which yeah. means it is a new opportunity yep it's new territory and i think for me the probably the biggest takeaway from your chaos and control sermon um was 
the challenge to not not let that opportunity pass by with our neighbors right. who are yeah. asking the very same questions, but not within the context of of uh, of scripture. Right. Yeah. So my wife, my wife works in the Yakima School District, and um, she she has opportunity every single day to share the gospel. And particularly now with all this stuff that's going on and the religious exemptions and the people who are faking religious exemptions and and all these kind of conversations. And she's sharing her testimony and she said, it's just like every day I get a chance to point people to Jesus. And so it's pretty cool. Yeah. And, and it's great for us. I mean, like I said in that sermon, everybody's asking the questions. The, 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 the issue is, what's our answer? Right. Is our answer... Hey, listen, we got to vote this guy out when we get a chance. Or hey, you know, have you have you heard of this vitamin regimen? You know, that that cannot be our answer to the questions that we're hearing from people about the chaos of our current situation. Mm-hmm. Our, our answer has got to get and land on the person of Jesus Christ. Yeah. Get to and land on. Yeah. Him. Yeah. Yeah, and it's not that it's not that we don't ever talk about those other things with people. No, um, no. But but when if people can walk away knowing us over the course of one conversation or ten conversations about these things, and then go, you know, it seems like their hope, you know, our hope is actually in those things. Then we've lost the opportunity. We have, we have. Well, they've got they've got you know some land over in Tennessee that they're gonna move to and. That's gonna how that's how they're gonna survive this thing. Yeah. If that's all they have after talking to you for a month about this stuff, right? <laughs> strike three. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> go go to Tennessee. Get out. <laughs> go with Jeremy. Go straight to jail. Do not pass go. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, it's so true. Yeah. Um. And it, and this is this is really impacting people in our church. Oh yeah. And there are there. Are, I mean, you've been here for the whole. 18 years or so of our church. Yeah. So you've seen all the threats to unity mm-hmm. uh, from the ones that have threatened church splits to the ones that are minor, but still you really feel them. Uh, in the 11 going on 12 years I've been here, this is the biggest one that I've, that I've experienced of there's such um, deep seated conviction on multiple sides. I think, I think no matter who you're talking to, yeah, because of what you said earlier about your conversation with that elderly woman, mm-hmm. I think every pastor would answer it the same way. You know, I've been here 18 plus years. I was at Westside 14 years before that. I was at a church prior to that for four years. And in all my ministry years combined, this is easily the most challenging issue that any of those churches ever faced in my experience. Wow. Now, I've had, a, I've had a lot of conversations with you about some of your experiences in those churches, yeah. those other churches, yeah. and actually hearing you say that, it's, um, I mean, I don't doubt it for a moment, but that really puts it in perspective for me, because I know that you've, your church, the churches you've been in have faced some pretty hairy situations. Right, right, but not not as uh, comprehensive as this issue. Sure. I mean, those issues, like there were pockets of individuals within each of the churches that you know, when when crisis came up and we had disagreements over pastoral staff or uh, budget questions. They were pockets of individuals who disagreed. Sure. I'm not certain that there's anybody in our church that doesn't have an opinion. Right. 
everybody has an opinion about this current situation. Yeah. And pretty strong opinion. Uh, there, I've met maybe one or two people who go, eh, I'm not sure what I think about this. What's going on? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think yeah. I heard about that. Yeah. And right now, you know, just last week, um, President Biden made this sweeping mandate that, that all employers of 100 or more employees must require vaccination or there may be a weekly testing option for COVID. I hadn't heard that. Really? He said that? <laughs> yeah. You're one of the two guys who didn't know that. <laughs> right. <laughs> you well, know, and that affects I've got lot. an excuse. Yeah. I've been in a cave for the last 10 weeks. That's right. <laughs> so Now, are you ready to tell me where that cave was? Yeah, yeah. Really? Really? No, that's where, yeah. Yeah. That's okay. where our shelter yeah. is. <laughs> <laughs> it's in the hills. No, um, and that affects a lot of Christians. And there are a lot of Christians in our church who have come to us talking about, you know, what do we do? We're having these conversations with each other because they're facing decisions they've never faced before because of a mandate from the state about what they need, what they must put in their body. Right. And there are people who, like, not not that I know of in our church, but people, like you mentioned, who are faking religious exemptions in our society, yeah. which is a harmful thing to do for people who actually have re- genuinely held religious you know, yeah. convictions. It undermines those for sure, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> and so, and I don't want to, we're not going to talk about the vaccine itself, because that is not the purview of the church. It's not the role of the church, okay? Like, the medicine of it. But there are a number of believers who are conscientiously objecting to it for various reasons, and so how do we think through these kind of sweeping mandates in biblical terms, do you think? Like, what can be some helpful things that we can hold on to? Well, I, I've, I've found, I think, it's not real clear, but the, the 11th or 12th commandment, thou shalt not mandate. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's fuzzy. The, the reference is fuzzy in my mind. Yeah. But I'm pretty sure it's there. <laughs> Why do you think there's limited government? Well, there could have been a lot more than Ten Commandments. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Have you ever heard of the Twelfth Commandment, Thou shalt not mandate? Yeah. No, that's um, a good one. Uh, yeah. No, I, I, I think that, that when you start talking about the church or Christians and, and um, um, man-made government, which is what we're talking about, I mean, obviously God puts governments in place. He says so in numerous places in Scripture. And the most famous, I think, is, is Romans 13. But God sets up kings. He tears down. He, he, he establishes the, the boundaries of countries. He, he's in charge. He's, he's sovereign over who's president of the United States and who's governor of Washington. So, so understanding that as a foundation for this, uh, God has placed all government in place to accomplish his purposes, to to fulfill all righteousness in that particular country, in that state. And so their job is to protect the will of God for the people, all people, whether they're Christians or not, in that particular province, state, or country. Right. And when when they stop doing that, in fact, start doing the opposite, start harming people, start um, um, undermining God's will for people, including including the responsibility to provide for your family, which is commanded by God. That one's pretty clear. That's pretty clear. First Timothy five eight comes yeah, to mind. Yes, yeah. you're worse than an unbeliever if you don't. So, if if the government is is doing something that causes you 
or forces you to disobey God's will in terms of providing for your family, undermining your livelihood, I would say that's someplace that we can have a discussion. Right. Right. And I think you're grounding that in Romans 13, like you, like you mentioned. You, what is God's explicit role for this yes. uh, institution? Yes. And he says, rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Uh, would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? Then do what is good, and you will receive his approval for. Here's the, here's the, the point of it. He, he is God's servant for your good. Right? So God entrusts rulers with the mandate from him. And the authority and power. To protect. Yes. And promote good. Yes. As defined by whom? Right. By God. Yes. They, this, you know, we have this idea, I think, um, not, not as personally, but, but maybe if we're not careful, that the state is just some autonomous force out there outside of God's purview because we have this false idea of the strict wall of separation between church and state, which I just read a book on that. It was very good called Did America Have a Christian Founding by um, David Mark Hall. And he, and he, doesn't, he doesn't sit here and say we're a Christian nation because, you know, everybody was saved. But he is challenging this idea from a perspective of religious liberty, where he goes back to the, you know, the letter that Thomas Jefferson wrote, or that James Madison, um, you know, some of his writings to say, where people say, well, no, we need to keep God out of this, because there's a strict wall of separation. That's, that's really, a misunderstanding. That's a historical fiction. Yeah. And what I'm reading here in Romans 13 is that all government is under God's authority. Yes. And not, not just for the benefit of the church no for the benefit of all <laughs> yes. right human flourishing right the right. culture mandate i think i think what uh those who would disagree with us at this point might say is well what's being mandated is good for all <laughs> right? and that brings us into a different conversation it does because the yeah a conversation well we'll, we'll get we'll hit at aspects of that in just a moment but you know i'm thinking of psalm 2 who is god talking to in psalm 2 yeah, the nations that are raging. Yeah, and the, the peoples are plotting in vain, and their rulers have set themselves against the Lord. Right, they're undermining the will of God for the people. Yeah. That's what's happening. And that's there. actually pretty serious stuff. Yeah. And when you think about the fact that God's entrusted... But it ends poorly for them. It always does. In Ram and Psalm 2. Maybe not, and they may not see that, but they're, they face it the moment they face the Lord. Yeah, and sometimes before. Right. For the good of the people. Yeah. You know, so here in Romans 13... Um, the state is given a tool, yes, the sword, yes, um, and they don't bear it in vain. They they bear it to punish um, evildoers and to protect law-abiding citizens. And there's this distinction where not everything that's legal is lawful in the sight of God. So, like, take you know, gay marriage is just one recent example that comes to mind. There's a lot of things that's legal, but God doesn't look at that and say that that's lawful, right? And so. But what happens when kings or rulers use the sword, the, the, the coercive power of the state, to then set themselves up against the Lord and his purposes? It can be pretty hairy for the church in well, those lands. Yeah. Uh, exhibit A, the first century. Right. Under Nero. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's exactly what it was. Church history is riddled with that it kind is. of thing. It is. And, and by the way, which is why the reformers pulled out. What do you mean? The reformers. They, they said, we're not going to do this anymore. The church and state became one before the reformers. 
Yeah. And, and even in the Reformers' day, Calvin's Geneva was a, ch- a church state. Yeah, yeah. And that didn't work out too well. No. There's a couple of situations we look at and go, <laughs> yeah. come on, Patrick. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> what are you thinking, Patrick? It, yeah, but... What, what are you it, thinking, Mr. Calvin? <laughs> <laughs> a servitus. Oh, we can't hear you. You're, you're dead. You know? Yeah, yeah. You know, and, and there was some poor doctrine that came out of that, by the way. Right. But there was also some really good thinking, too, as, as the Reformers looked at Scripture and wrestled with these issues yes. about how do we face tyranny? Um, mm-hmm. Because tyranny comes in many different forms, and it doesn't just come at the point of a gun. Um, and... Well, isn't tyranny really uh, undermining the will of God for the people? And doing it, yeah, with the authority of the state. Yes, with the sword. That's right. Yeah, that's tyranny. That's Yeah, and it, and it happens by degrees. Yes. And so I think that's what a lot of people are asking is, is how do we make sense of the time in which we live? And that's where there's not consensus among believers. There, there's not consensus of, on the question of how far down the road have we gone? Right. But I don't hear anybody saying that we're not heading down that road. Right. And what happens at the end of Psalm 2? Yeah. That the Lord the Lord has his way. Right. Yes. So kiss the son lest he be angry, bow before him. Yeah. But what and, I love But, but the, if he if he's angry, what happens? You perish in the way. <laughs> you do. Right. Exactly. But here's a great here's a great um like, how do we as Christians navigate these things? Do we do it with fear and trepidation? Do we do it with high-handed fists raised and go, not on my watch? Or do you do, I don't know, what is the Lord's attitude there in Psalm 2? How, what is his response to those kings and the rulers who have set themselves up in their high, mighty pride? Well, he he says, he, he calls for repentance, yeah. you know, from them in, in that psalm. Um, so he's, he's, this whole psalm is, is really a, an, an interesting approach to your view of government, right? Human government as it is designed by God to submit to God or else He will undo it. He will He will uh, uh, bring judgment too. And we see that throughout biblical history, don't we? With both Israel and uh, pagan nations, God says, "Listen, if you do this, I'll bless you. If you do this, I'll curse you." And he even he even goes so far as to use pagan nations to discipline his own people. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. And then he says, because and he says this to Syria, because you did what you did of your own free will, even though I initiated it to my people, I'm going to have Babylon destroy you. When God set it up. <laughs> Yeah. And that's hard to understand, you know? It'd be like, you know, just a totally bizarre picture. You know, if, if I say to one of my kids who really doesn't like one of their siblings, hey, your sibling sinned, go, go spank them. And they do it with just a, a gleeful laugh, a maniacal laugh. Yeah, yeah. And then I'm going to spank that kid for what they did. Yes, you know, exactly. Like, you shouldn't have spanked him. Well, you told me to spank him. Well... <laughs> Get your own issues. <laughs> yeah, that's what it feels like. But it says the Lord laughs at them. Yeah. He holds them in derision. God, he's But ultimately, a, it's judgment that comes, right? It is. Yeah, first the laugh. <laughs> but we have a God who sits in the heavens and laughs at the attempt and goes, I, did you not get the memo? Yeah. Jesus Christ is Lord. Yes. I, I put him there. And we as his people um, are simultaneously to be the best citizens the most prayerful and supportive citizens of our leaders, and the most truthful citizens. If, if politics is known for anything, it's known for lies, right? 
We've, Say that again? If politics is known for anything these days, it's known for lies. Yeah, right. Deception. You know, that's how you get yeah, into power. Right. Well, we need to be people who are loving our leaders in telling them the truth. And sometimes that looks like um, a nice belly laugh in, in response to a totally bizarre mandate and a, a very truthful declaration of, I don't think you got the memo, but Jesus Christ is Lord. Right. And and our laugh doesn't come from our our political opinions no, it doesn't or matter. our medical opinions. Our, our belly laugh comes from what? I mean, it comes from that confession of faith. Yes. The one that got all those Christians killed in the first century for not yes. simply offering a political pinch of incense to the emperor. Right. It was this conviction. Yes. Caesar is not Lord. Jesus right. Christ is Lord. Yes. God says this mm-hmm. about our lives. So we're not going to do that. Yeah. We're not going to, we're not going to bow like, like the, the three young men in the book of Daniel. Yeah. Shadrach, Meshach. We're, no, we're not going to bow. Right. Sorry. And the, in the context. And wait a minute. Let's, before we move that. Yeah. The context, the context is what the, the king who God had put in place was overstepping his bounds. Stay in your lane, Neb. Yes. <laughs> and that's really what this is about because this Christian worldview that we hold comes to us with institutions that God ordained. Yes. There are three lanes on this highway, at least, that, uh, for, for society and how the world works. Mm-hmm. In Proverbs, we see that wisdom is going along the grain of how God made the world to work. And there's at least three lanes on that hallway, highway called the family, the state, and the church. And each has their own tool. For the church, it's the keys of the kingdom. For the state, it's the power of the sword. And for the family, it's the rod. Mm-hmm. And each one has their own role. But when one steps outside their lane, it's the it's the biblical duty of the other lanes to say, hey, step it back. Because mm-hmm. there's a lot more at stake than just you gaining a little too much power to our discomfort. So what was said at the at the earliest part of the, the formation of our uh, nation, uh, disobedience to tyranny is obedience to God. Yeah. Yeah. That's 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 exactly what we're saying, and that and that was Jefferson's proposed national motto. Yes, Jefferson, who was actually one of the small handful, uh, mm-hmm. you know, again contrary to popular view, he was only a, sm- a small handful of deists. Mm-hmm. Most were not deists; they were they were biblical, yeah, Christians, uh, mm-hmm. Orthodox. A lot of them had Orthodox beliefs, but even he said that, and yes. he didn't come up with it. No, this goes back to. The documentation on that kind of a thing goes back to John Knox mm-hmm. in the Reformation, right? And it was an it was a, a exposition or interpretation of Romans thirteen. Right. That's where that statement came from. Yeah, which is powerful in the context of God giving the authority to governments to rule people as He has designed and desires them to do. There is that interpretation of that passage. Yeah. You can't be tyrannical against God's people or against people, period. Yeah. You cannot. Whether they're Uyghurs in Xinjiang. Right. Whether they're Afghanis. Right. Whether they're Nigerians. It doesn't matter. Or Americans. Because everybody's made in God's image yeah. and has value. And we do this to their harm. And so when the government steps out of their lane, what's the response of the Christian and the church? It must prayerfully be the prophetic voice of Jesus Christ is Lord, and here's where he has told you what your job is. Right. And and I think the the mandates to the church from Jesus, their head, are pretty clear about worship, yeah. about gathering, yeah. <laughs> about singing. You know, there's these clear commands in Scripture about what the church must do to be a church. Yeah. 
And there are several believers in our, I mean, a lot of believers in our church who are in their consciences facing significant job situations because of mandates to where even though they're, you know, another believer in our church may be totally free in, in their conscience to do what is being required of these other ones. And so it's not the thing itself that, you know, but for them, it is sinful because in their consciences, they look at scripture and they go, I actually don't believe I'm free to do this. Mm-hmm. And that too is part of our calling to stand before the Lord with a clear conscience mm-hmm. as individual believers. Right. And that's a direct, you know, the fact of each believer opening scripture and determining with the Holy Spirit's help through prayer, what is God calling me to do? As long as they're not twisting scripture, that too is part of what the Reformation gave us. And I think I think also not only the opening of scripture and, and seeking the Lord's will, but opening scripture with your shepherds. Yes, that's so Your pastors, so your elders, and say, what should my response be here? Mm-hmm. How, how am I to respond to this, that, or the other edict that's coming down the pike that's affecting my life in these significant ways, like my ability to worship with my church family, my ability to maintain my employment, right? my ability to, you know, and, and when, it, when it became severe in the first century, my ability to go to the store and buy a head of lettuce. And more and more, that bizarre scenario is becoming within, uh, we can see it in the distance coming quickly. It sounds, you know, probable almost, doesn't it? Yeah. Which is unbelievable to say. Oh, I know. And, you know, speaking of the church in its lane, um, anybody who's asked me, should I get this shot or not? My answer has been the same. I can't tell you that. I, that's not between you and me. That's between you and the Lord and you and your doctor. Um, if you want to have a conversation about what I've chosen to do and why, I can explain that to you, but not by way of counsel, because that's not my role as a pastor. Right. But if you come to me and you say, my conscience is seeing a problem here and I'm being required to do this, let's you know, let's do everything we can to help you navigate that biblically because that's exactly that's what I was just going to say. We need to talk about talk about those questions with the Bible open in front of us. That's it. Yeah. You know, I was thinking about um, one one last story from church history. John Knox, you know, as he was, you know, God used him to reform Scotland. And he was, uh, Mary, Queen of Scots, was (laughs) promoting the Mass, Mm -hmm. which, you know, Knox being a reformer and and having an open Bible saw as being extremely problematic. And so he got up and preached against it, and she called him to the court, and they were having an interview. Mary Queen of Scots and John Knox, and she said, "Well, how can you how can you be telling our people to not do something that their ruler has said to do?" And he said, "Well, the rulers don't have the authority to give religion to the people; only God does that, and you got the wrong one." <laughs> and so she says, "Well, what about Romans 13? She sa- she says, "You know, you're yeah. supposed to be in submission to authorities," and she said, "Well, how can you defy?" Uh, your ruler, even with arms. And this was his reply. I printed it out. He says, if they're, he says, Madam, if their princes exceed their bounds, no doubt they may be resisted even by power, for there is neither greater honor nor greater obedience to be given to kings or princes than God hath commanded to be given unto father and mother. But the father may be stricken with a frenzy, or in other words, <laughs> he may go crazy. And you know, grab an arm. In which he would slay his children. If the children arise, join themselves together, apprehend the father, take the sword from him, bind him hands and feet, and keep him in prison till his frenzy be overpassed, think ye, madam, that the children do any wrong? It is even so, madam, that with princes that would murder the children of God that are subjects unto them. 
Their blind zeal is nothing but a very mad frenzy, and therefore to take the sword from them, to bind their hands, to cast them into prison, till they be brought to a more sober mind, is no disobedience against princes, but just obedience, because it agreeth with the will of God. Yeah. I like Knox. Knox is good. <laughs> and he had a cool beard. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and in case in you know, in case anybody's completely misinterpreting what we're saying here, we're not advocating armed resistance to anything right now. No. That's not what's that is not what's going on. No. Let the record show. Yeah. But we do are we are emphasizing the the conscientious faithfulness of believers to stand before the Lord. And this is where it really hits at the unity of our church. We have got to be determined in our hearts as individual believers in our church, whatever our convictions on what's being told to us, that we will not judge the conscience of another believer in matters that are not clear, black, and white. Yeah, that's an important addendum, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, because there are black and white things that we well, don't have we've heard Well, we've heard them. Like, right. You know, I think the Lord has told me that I should divorce my wife. Yeah. Uh, no, he hasn't. Hold on just a second while I find my biggest Bible with which to hit you. <laughs> well, and, and I, I, I clarify that because that's not uncommon these days. Right. And not everything that gets put, that, and this is what I, I think is another important qualification, not everything that gets passed off as a liberty issue actually is. Exactly. Exactly. And I think that's what I'm saying also. It's just like, listen, come to us with your Bible. Right. And let's talk about what you're thinking. Right. But when it comes to whether or not to wear a mask, whether or not to take the vaccine, or whether you should or should not do those things, I think we're on pretty level ground in saying this is a liberty of conscience issue. Sure. And yet there are Christians in our believers in our church who are treating it as if it were a matter of gospel, and there's I think there's a lot of problem with that. You know. I agree. And and this is what Paul would say to that in in Romans fourteen. Verse 4, who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? It is before his own master that he stands or falls, and he will be upheld, for the Lord is able to make him stand. And then he goes on to talk about esteeming one day better than another, which is like a Sabbath day. Or well, things. and he brought that up because it was a big fight in the church yeah. in Rome. And it was threatening their unity. It was. Yeah, so this, that, this is so important for our people to hear. Oh, yeah. Listen, when, when you're discussing this with uh, people in the church— your attitude must be of a humble, humble submission to the Word of God, offering the the uh, conscientious liberty of of each believer based on Scripture. Yeah. Not creating our own our own agenda. Not not producing something and saying it's a matter of Christian liberty when it's not. It's it's in within the bounds of Scripture, and yeah. I think that is so important. It really is. Yeah. And and I think, you know, you and I have talked about this, that, that we don't know how long these turbulent waters are going to last. This current moment could last for years, or it could be over soon. Well, the chutes is a long river. Yeah. Yes, and you've got some experience there. Yeah. But if we're going to have a Sun Valley church that has any semblance of love and unity on the other side of this, we have got to be determined to honor one another's conscience before the Lord and defend that each person's um, ability to navigate those waters biblically as they see best with an open Bible and godly counsel. We have to stay away from that temptation to judge another's conscience. Right. And to think that that your opinion on the matter is um, gospel or doctrine. Right. Yeah. It's not. Right. The gospel is the gospel. Yeah. And I think we need to be fully convinced of our position. 
Uh, absolutely. Know? Otherwise, it's not from faith. Right. And then it's sin. Right. There are people getting vaccinated sinfully, and there are people not taking the vaccine sinfully. Right. Because they don't do it in reference to the Lord and His Word and by faith. Yes. So we have to, we have to we have to be careful. Uh, walk humbly. Um, um, allow one another space. Extend grace to one another. Mercy in disagreements and understand that that Christ died for my brothers and sisters in Christ uh, as much as he did for me and um, treat each other as such yeah so yeah well church um, we love you if it's not obvious and maybe maybe it's not so we'll just say it we love you we're, we're really grateful to be your shepherds and um, these are these are real weighty matters um, that we don't take lightly in discussing them. Uh, This is what I think they call practical theology. Mm -hmm. And we want to continue to strive after the Lord together um, with you. And so to that end, please join us for corporate worship on Sunday as we dive into the Gospel of Mark. Have a great day.